All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Um, Psalm 73 is where we're going to start today. We're going to jump around to um, a few different scriptures um, as we go throughout the message. This is the last week of our Voyage to the Manger series. Um, next week, we're starting um, something brand new um, to, start to kick off the new year, because today is the end of 2023. <laughs> Anybody excited about that? Um, yeah, some people, other people are like, I don't know, man, it's kind of a good year, it's pretty sweet. Like, usually at this time of the year, somebody is, is always saying, oh, I am so glad this year is over, right? And, and every single year at this time, um, I do this, uh, just because I, I like to do it, I like to just kind of um, poke fun, because I don't necessarily do this myself anymore. Um, but I like to know, how many of you have like are making New Year's resolutions. How many of you, how many of you are doing that? You know, you're not going to raise your hand because you said, no, I just said I was going to make fun of you, right? How, how many of you, how many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? How many of you? Like, that's, that's all of us. Um, I did some research this week on, like, what are the top um, New Year's resolutions? Um, top three. I'll give you the top three. Um, top one, number one, all the time, save money right? Save money, manage finances better. For me, that's never really been a resolution because you got to have it to save it, right? So don't really have that. Number two and number three, um, they're kind of interchangeable. Get in shape, lose weight. Lose weight, get in shape, right? Th- those are theirs. And, and listen, if you have resolutions, if you have plans to save money, plans to get in shape, plans to um, lose weight, plans to learn a new skill, plans to start something or stop something, that, that's all great. Resolutions are great. However, the problem with a resolution is most of the time people don't have a plan on how to follow through. And that's why it's all gung-ho, we're all ready to go um, for the first two weeks of January. You go to the, you go to the gym tomorrow, it's going to be packed. Um, just wait, wait like seven or eight days and it'll all thin out again because everyone's like, no, that sucked, man. That wasn't fun at all. And I didn't get the results I want. So that, that's what happens when you don't have a plan, it falls through. Like, like I can say I want to get in shape, but if I sit on my couch and watch Netflix all day, I'm not going to get in shape. So I've got to have a plan for my resolution. Well, this is what I want. I want 2024 to be one of the best, if not the best year spiritually that you've ever had. And and I know I say this at the end of every year, that I want next year to be the best year spiritually you've ever had. I want for you at the end of next year to be closer to Jesus than you are right now. And people tell me, we say that every year. What what do I want you to be, further away? (laughs) Like, Like, is that what I want? No, I want for you to have a great year spiritually next year. So I'm gonna present some things to you today. Um, if you want like an expository, expository sermon, come back next week. Um, I got one of those. This one's not really that. This is kind of just like me talking to you and sharing you with a plan. Um, it's not resolution. It's just kind of a plan that I've laid out um, on how you can have a great year spiritually in 24. Now, it's not super complex because if you know me, you know I'm not complex. I'm, I'm simple. Like, everything about me is simple. I try to bring everything down to its simplest form. But I think if you follow this simple plan and, and you put it into action, like you actually apply it, and I told you this a couple weeks ago, and we talk about all the time, you have to apply the information for transformation to take place in your life. You can't just, just have a bunch of information and not do anything with it. You've actually got to apply what you take and put it in your life if you want to see transformation. You want to, you want to see spiritual transformation? Take this and apply it to your life. All right, so here we go. We're going to dive in. You can write these down if you're taking notes. Um, The first thing, super simple, first thing you need to do, go to church. (laughs) That's it. Go to church. Now, the fact that 
I would even say those words to people is a miracle because I grew up hating church. Every time I say that, every time somebody approaches me and says, Pastor Ryan, hate is such a strong word. I know. That's why I said it because I hated church. Anybody else have the experience you grew up, hated church? Anybody? And you hated it. Why? Because it was boring. Like, seriously, I did not enjoy going to church because I didn't get anything out of it. And because church was boring, I thought God was boring. And because I thought God was boring, I didn't want anything to do with church or God. So the fact that a friend of mine kept inviting me to church and wouldn't leave me alone, and I actually went to church and got involved in church and now lead a church is an absolute miracle. Now, I get it. For some people, you look at this right here, and you're like, this doesn't even apply to me. Like, it's so simple. Like, I, I go to church. Like, I'm here every week. I, I'm talking about people who are watching, people who maybe aren't here every week, that you're in the building. I'm talking about here. I'm talking about showing up in the house of God on a regular basis. Because I, I tell, somebody tell me this at Christmas services. I hear this. I hear this all the time, almost every week. But somebody at Christmas services said, hey, come here. We, we want to tell you something. They're like, hey, we watch every week online. Every week we watch you online. We live like two hours away, but every week we watch online. But there's something different about actually being here in the house. It's true. It's 100% true. Like one of our core values is attend regularly. And so show up in the house. Like show up because I believe that God is going to do something special in your life in this house in 24. And listen, at this church, I, I don't know about other churches. I know, I know this church. But at this church, we teach the Bible. I, I love the Bible, and so we only use the Bible. Only the Bible should be preached. From time to time, um, I'll pull out a quote from a book or something, and I'll tell you about that, but seldom do I do that. We, we are 100% Bible-based here in this church. If the Bible says do it, we do it. If the Bible says don't do it, we don't do it. If the Bible says, eh, then we say, I don't know. Like it, I'll, I guess if it works for you. But, but one, of the reasons, one of the reasons I am so sold out on the Bible Bible is not just because of the power in the words, the life-changing transformation that takes place as we get the scriptures inside of us, but I, I love how honest the authors of the Bible are. And one of the things that's so intriguing to me is that the people who wrote the scriptures don't just tell you the good stuff about themselves. Like they're not filtering their life out on Facebook or whatever and only telling you the highlights. They tell you the bad stuff too. They talk about their trials. They talk about their temptations. They talk about their struggles. And there's a guy named Solomon and Solomon, his whole entire story is great, and everything is awesome with him. But he writes one of the Psalms, and it's Psalm 73. And in Psalm 73, he's going through some stuff. And he, and he pauses, and he gets, like, really honest with what's going on in his life. And he says this in verse 2. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. Let me pause and say this. We've all been there spiritually, right? Every single person, you've been right there. Some of us, we might be there like right now, and, and I'm not saying that to, to shame anybody or make you feel bad. I'm saying that to let you know one of the writers in the Bible was right there. He was at the place where I was losing my footing. My feet were slipping. I was almost gone. Now, several things can cause this. You can lose a friend. You can lose a loved one. You can lose a job. It can be financial difficulty, like whatever, but we've all been at the place where we've almost slipped. And if we're not careful, we'll take a place and we'll take a step after we have slipped and we'll get further away from God. The first step away from God is a small step. 
Always a small step. But then after that, it becomes a jog. And then it becomes a full-out sprint. I saw this the other day. Statistics show that since the COVID crisis, where like most churches were shut down, by the way, we ain't never doing that again. If liquor stores can stay open, the church can stay open. Amen? Anyway, that was free. Um, but... <laughs> Because that kind of ticks me off. They're like, they're talking about it again. And so, anyway, I got to stay focused on the message. And um, what was I saying? Oh, since the COVID crisis, so many people, like, they, they walked away from church. Like, and, and during that time, they went backwards in their walk with Jesus. And, and so many people haven't returned to church still three years later. Because once you get out of that, once you get out of that fellowshipping with the saints. Once you get into that, I can do this on my own. I can, I don't need God. I don't need this. I don't need those things. The devil's going to hold that and he's going to use it. And he's going to keep pushing you further and further and further away. And so I love it when Solomon says, hey, I was at a place where my feet almost slipped. And then the rest of Psalm 73, he kind of goes through this and he, he's talking about these circumstances that are causing him to have this spiritual problem. And then he circles back around in verse 17 and he says this, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood. Hey, my feet were slipping. But then I went to church, and when I was at church, I began to understand what was happening. I began to see what was going on, and I got this knowledge about how to handle the situation. I'm telling you, something happens when we get together in the house, when we get together and we sing and we worship. By the way, I love our worship here. I love our worship team. I love loud music. I had somebody tell me one time, and um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have the gift of sarcasm, of being a smart aleck. That, that's just in me. Um, God blessed me with that. Um, but I had somebody tell me one time, I didn't really like the song that we sang. And I said, you know what? We weren't singing it to you. Listen, if we ever sing a song to you, you get to evaluate what song we're doing. But every song we sing from this stage is going to be loud, and we're going to sing it about Jesus. Amen? And, and here's, here's another fun fact. Um, next week in our next series, um, every opening song that we do is not going to be what you think is a Christian song. You're going to love it. Don't be late. There's something powerful that happens, though, when we get together as a body of believers. Like good days and bad days. When we're together, something happens. When we get together, spiritually strong people, spiritually weak people. It, it, something happens when we're together. As we begin to put our focus not on our circumstances, but on our Savior. And we begin to exalt him and lift him up. God does something in every one of our hearts. I've never been in this house where I didn't see Jesus do something in my life every single week. Listen, I say this a lot, but I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it a ton um, at the beginning of next year. This church, this church is going to be a church where all people, say all people, all people experience the presence of Jesus every single week. And when I say all people, I mean all people. We're going to talk about that more in the series that we're starting next week, because people People say all the time, you have churches who stand up and they say, we're a church for all people. Anybody can come until anybody and everybody shows up. And that happens here too. Hey, we're going to be a church for all people until those people show up. Ryan, you were really talking about that? You were really talking about being a place where all people can come in and they can hear the life-changing message? Yes, that's what I said. You're, you're talking about different people than us. Ryan, you're talking about 
people who, who, who like, they're, they're just so far from God. All people means all people. In the Bible, when it talks about all people, guess who it means? All people, right? And, and every week, every single week, somebody comes up to me and tells me how clean they've been. Pastor Ryan, I've been clean for a week. Pastor Ryan, I've been clean for three days. Pastor Ryan, I've been clean for 30 days. And listen, I celebrate, this is me, I celebrate three days as much as I celebrate three years because I want people to know Jesus. Because here's what I know. You can't come into the presence of Jesus and stay the same. You'll either leave or change. Those are the only two options you have. And so if you don't like what's going on, if you don't like the fact that all people are welcome to come and hear the gospel's changing message of Jesus Christ, then your option is to go. Just go. Just, just leave, right? Or you can stay and you can buy into the mission and the vision of what God is doing. Because when you get into a house and you experience the presence of Jesus every single week, you will, you will change. And, and, and you will either leave or change. And so I want to take a second and I want to do this because I love to show um, that we have all people here. I've shared with you this chart um, in the past, and you're not going to shout out numbers or anything like that. It's a, it's a scale, negative 10 um, to 10 on the other side. If you look at this, negative 10, that's like hardcore atheist, right? Probably not in the room right now. Hardcore atheist, like so far from God, doubting a God. But, but that's where, that's basically, no, that's not basically, that's essentially where every single one of us starts on our journey. In the cross, at the cross, at zero, that's where you meet Jesus, right? Everything else is your life before you come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. At the cross, all of your sins are zeroed out and you begin to move to the right. And no matter where you are in this chart, I want you to be able to walk into this house and experience the presence of Jesus on a weekly basis. And so I want everybody to do something for me right now. I want you to find where you are on this chart. Find, find where you feel like you are on this chart spiritually. Like maybe you've had a good year spiritually and you're like a, I don't know, a seven, right? Maybe you've had some struggles and you're like a two. Like you're like the psalmist and you're like, ah, just my feet are slipping, whatever. The good part is this. Once you become a Christian, like once you hit zero and once you start stepping in, you, you can never go back to the other side. You, you can't. Some people believe you can if I believe that, I would get saved like every five minutes because I would constantly be going backwards. Listen, I'm not going to debate that theology because they're wrong. And it's a goofy argument. Um, but today, mark, mark down where you are. Here, here's what I know. Let's say you're a two. Let's say, again, you're like the psalmist and you feel like, man, my feet have almost slipped and I'm falling backwards. You're, you're like a two. Here's what I know about you. Every single person. If you show up in the house and experience the presence of Jesus every single week, there's no way you stay at a two. You will move from a two to a three. That just happens. Trust me. And because of that, I just want you to think about this. Just entertain this with me for a minute. What would happen in a community if, uh, I don't know, a few hundred people in their spiritual walk with Jesus just went from a two to a three over the course of a year? Would that change things? Yeah, that would change so many things. A two to a four, a two to a five, a three to a six, a six to a seven. This, this is what I'm telling you. When, when, when you go to church, and, and listen, I will say this unashamedly. The goal when you walk into this house, again, is we want you to experience the presence of Jesus. If you do that, 
If you do that on a consistent basis, I'm telling you, Jesus will do something significant in your life. So, number one, go to church. Second thing I want you to do is to grow in church. Grow in church. Now, every once in a while, somebody would come up to me, and they're like, you know, Ryan, um, I'm coming here, and I'm, I'm checking it out, and I'm just kind of kicking the tires. I, 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 like, I like what you're doing here. I like some things. I don't like some things. Um, but I want to let you know that I left my last church. Okay, why'd you leave your last church? Well, I left my last church because I wasn't getting, anybody want to guess? Fed. I wasn't getting fed. Here's what I've discovered. Some of you have heard me say this before. One of the main reasons most people don't get fed in their own church is because you didn't bring your fork. Like, you are responsible for yourself. Bring your fork. I have a 21-year-old daughter and a 19-year-old son. I stopped feeding them when they were like a year old. They figured out on their own how to feed themselves. So the issue is not a and not being fed growth issue. Because here's what I know personally. If I sit on the couch and feed myself continually, I'm going to grow, but not in a healthy way. It's, it's not going to be healthy. That's not where I want my life to go physically. That's not where I want my life to go spiritually either. Well, then how do we grow in church? Well, I'll tell you how I grow in church. These are two, two reasons, two ways I grew. These are the two things that help me continue to grow. The letter A is when I began to serve. When I began to serve in a church. Somebody told me the other day, this guy told me, I want to do what you do. I said, what do you mean? He said, I want to preach. I'm like, well, we're kind of booked up up here. Like, I don't. <laughs> and he said, how did you get into preaching? I was like, I didn't. Like, I, I didn't start out preaching. I started serving. At the church that I was attending, um, the pastor got up and he gave a message on serving. Um, I signed up. And it wasn't one of those things, we do a thing here where you can sign up and you kind of check the box of what area you want to do. This was just like, hey, do you want to serve? I'm like, yeah, I want to serve. They put me on a cleaning crew. I came in on a Saturday. They gave me a bucket with toilet cleaning supplies and told me to get after it. They had 15 bathrooms in the building. That job stunk. It was... That was a bad pastor joke. It was rough, though. And every week, I would show up, and I would clean these bathrooms. And every week, like, something different would happen. And, and I began to grow as I began to serve. It was just this thing. Somebody came up to me and said, hey, you want to grow in your walk with Jesus? You want to be more like Jesus? Then, then you need to serve. This is what you need to do. And as I began to serve, I actually began to grow spiritually. I still, I still serve. That's still one of my big core values of me personally. I know I get paid to do this, but I also serve. And there is a big difference in that. So I've had people tell me, you know, Ryan, I want to be great. I want to be great. I don't know if you've ever thought this or not. I want to be great. I want to be a great person. I want to be a great leader. I want to be great at my job. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great wife, a great whatever. Well, it's easy to be great. It really is. If you follow what Jesus said. See, Jesus is, is spending some time talking with his disciples in Matthew 20. And this is what Jesus says about greatness. In Matthew chapter 20, verse um, 26, he, he's looking at his disciples. They're having this conversation, and they're kind of talking about greatness and all of this other stuff. And he says, hey, whoever wants to be great amongst you must also be your servant. He says, hey, you want to be great? Like, do you want to be great? If you want to be great, start serving. 
You, you want to be a great husband? Serve your wife. You want to be a great dad? Serve your kids. You want to be a great leader? Serve the people around you. As you begin to serve and ask Jesus to shape your heart into the heart of a servant, it's not about recognition. It's about spiritual growth. Jesus said in Luke 22, how many of you want to be like Jesus? How many of you want to be like Jesus? How many of you, like, that's the goal of Christianity, right? I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Jesus said in Luke 22, the Son of Man, which is who? Jesus, talking about himself. The Son of Man did not come here to serve, to be served, but to what? To serve. And so Jesus served, we should do it, yes or no? And so here's my question. When people say, oh, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm just, I'm not getting fed, and I just want to grow. Well, my first question is this. Have you been serving? Where are you serving? Well, you know, I've been meaning to. No, you haven't. You haven't. Because me, listen, I'm almost 50 years old. Here's the deal. When I want to do something, guess what? I do it. If I don't want to do something, I don't do it. No excuses. And so if you want to grow spiritually in 2024, get involved somewhere. And, and, and listen, listen, the best the best type of service that I've discovered is putting our hands where, there, where there's the greatest demands. Putting our hands on where there's the greatest demands. And, and people say, well, you know, Pastor, I'm gifted in prophecy. All right, sweep the floor. I don't know. I mean, there are other people who aren't as gifted as I am that could sweep the floor. Well, if you were gifted in prophecy, you would have understood I was going to ask you to sweep the floor. Some of you get that later. See, the problem in the church world too many times is we worship the gift and not the one who has given us the gift. And so I'm just telling you, when I began to serve, I started growing. The second way that I began to grow is when I began to give. When I started giving, you'll, you'll notice we don't talk about money around here a lot. Like, if you've been, we, we don't. That's all going to change in 2024. I'm talking about it every week. I'm just kidding, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Some of you laughed and others are like, uh-uh, it's our last Sunday here. I will tell you this, the only people that get mad and nervous when you talk about money are the people that haven't surrendered their wallet to Jesus. I'll just kind of leave that out there, let that sit there for a while. People have asked me this question, I've literally had people ask me why. Why should I give to Central Church? And that's a great question. Well, first off, I believe that God clearly Clearly, Old Testament and New Testament, all right? We're not going to argue Old Testament principle and law and all that other stuff. Uh uh-uh. uh. Old Testament, New Testament, God talks about it. I could take you through scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture that talks about us needing to be givers. In fact, nowhere in the Bible did anyone ever show up to a worship service empty handed. Ever. It's all throughout the scriptures. But for me, this is just for me, the reason I'm giving it central is because I believe in this church. And I believe in what God is doing in and through this church. Uh, let, me, let me kind of set it up this way. I was thinking about a way that I could communicate this at Central, understanding our church, understanding my people, in a way that you would understand. All right? So I'm going to ask this question just for kicks and giggles. How many of you have ever gambled? Raise your hand. All right. There we go. You're my people. Like you've been to Vegas. You bet on football. You bought a lottery ticket. Like it's pretty much all of us. Here's what I know if you've ever gambled. The reason that you placed that bet, the reason that you bought that ticket is because you thought you were going to what? Win, right? Because you only bet on a winner, correct? 
Well, the reason I personally give, the reason my family gives here at this church is because I believe God has his hand on this church. And I believe we're going to see so many people, one for Jesus, in the next one, two, three, four, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. And if I'm going to bet, if I'm going to invest, I'm going to invest in a company that grows. I'm going to invest in a company that goes up and to the right. I'm going to go with a winner, and Jesus wins. Amen? Well, you know, I just feel bad for that organization. Nobody's investing in them, and they're going bankrupt. Then I don't give them my money. When I give money to this church, it grows me spiritually. I'm sowing into the work that God is doing. So, go to church, grow in church. Number three, show the church. See, these are all rhyming. This is the Baptist coming out in me right now, literating. It's awesome. Um, show the church. Another one of our core values here that we take very strongly is invite boldly. Invite boldly. Because what would happen? Just, just think about this. What would happen if we just decided, hey, you know what? Um, I really want the people in my circle to meet Jesus and for Jesus to change them. And so I'm going to take them to a place where they can experience the presence of Jesus every single week. That could literally change this community. Listen, I want us to be about God's business, not, not just church business, not something that church leaders come up with. Like, this isn't something that Ryan has just come up with. This, this, is, this is what Jesus said. Like, Jesus came up with this entire concept right here. I love this. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, which is good news, right? The good news that Jesus has all authority. He's like, hey, guys, you don't have to listen to anybody else. Like, only person you have to listen to is me. Just, just follow what I'm saying. And by the way, he had just risen from the dead, and so they were all bought into what he was saying. And then he says this, Go, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, let me say this, because people tell me, like, you know what, Ryan, um, I like the church, but I really want to go to a church that makes disciples. Oh, I'm glad that's what you want, because that's what I want, too. Like, we have disciples in our church. Because, listen, again, simple Ryan going to give you simple things that the Bible says. If you go back into the Greek and you take the word disciple and break it down to its simplest form, all it means is learner. See, we've taken the word disciple and we've turned it into this, like, this, I don't know, spiritual kingsmanship type elite navy seal spirituality the best of the best and only the best of the best can be a part of following jesus and when you're the best of the best then you can get close the disciples the people he's talking to were they the best of the best no were they spiritual kingsmen no they were average everyday ordinary people who were doing their very best to follow him and 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 one of his main guys peter I just screwed up so badly by denying him that he ran away. And now, now he's back, and now they're together. Like, like it's people who mess up. And, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, you're my people, and, and I want you to go make more people like this. You're learning from me? Go get more learners. That's what he's saying. Go make learners of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. Teach these new learners to obey all the commands I have given you. And I love this because that's where people go, oh, i got to follow all these commands. You know what? Jesus didn't give a lot of commands. He, he didn't. There are a few. We're going to talk about them 
um, more and more as we get into next year. Um, but, but one that he did give that I absolutely love, it's on the night that he was betrayed, the night that he was, night before he's going to hang on the cross. And he's hanging out with the disciples and they're eating. And he says this, he says, I give you a new commandment. And they're probably like, oh, man, we already got the 10 and we got the 633 on top of this. And he's like, no, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm doing away with that. I'll give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. He said, hey, when you go out, that's how you're supposed to go out, with love. Like, th- that's, that's his command. And so what would happen if we would just take that command? Hey, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. None of us are going to argue that Jesus doesn't love us, right? We have the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. We all know it, right? We, we all know Jesus loves. And so what if we went out? And we loved others as Jesus loved us. What if we just said, hey, I'm going to focus on that command. Learn how to love one another. That would be amazing. There's another message for another time. Anyway, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That, that's a promise you could take to the bank. That Jesus will always be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And so I'm just telling you, as a church, let's do everything we can to reach as many people as possible. Because here's what you need to know. Because people say, well, you know what? You're, you're creating this environment, and you've got this, and people will just come. Uh-uh. The lost are not commanded in the Bible anywhere to go to the church, but the church is commanded to go to the lost. And so what are you going to do with that? Because at the end of the day, here's my thing. I'm addicted to life change, and I, I love hearing the stories, not just the pretty ones, but the messy ones too. And as long as people are learning and striving and trying to grow, we're going to celebrate that every single week that we get together. Let's do whatever it takes short of sin to reach this community. You with me? Maybe not. All right. I'll do it by myself then. Last one. We got to know that immeasurably more is coming. You got to know that immeasurably more is coming. In this church, I'm blown away by what God has done. I'm starting, this week, I'm starting year 13, 13 years of being here. I cannot believe what God has done and continues to do in this place. I remember February of 2012, sitting in my living room. I had been outside on my front steps in the cold, um, crying, freaking out, because I had just discovered that this church had $17 in its checking account. 17, like not, that's not typo, not anything, like zero money. People weren't really coming. We had chairs hidden away so it didn't look empty in here, which made it look even more empty, but I didn't say anything because I was new. Um, I, I didn't know anybody, couldn't, couldn't connect with people in the community. I just, I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to move back home. And then I opened up my Bible. And this wasn't, this wasn't like I flipped the Bible and I pointed and this came out to me. I had I'd been reading through Ephesians. And I got to Ephesians 3.20, and this is, this is probably um, my, one of my top three favorite Bible verses of all times. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And I remember asking God in that moment, show me. Show, show me what that means. God, I don't understand that. Like, I know you've moved. I know you've done some things in my life in the past. But when it comes to church, I'm, I want to see what that means. And, and, I, and I've continued to ask that, and he's continued to show me. You know what I stopped doing a while back? I stopped asking God for the things that I wanted because I realized that 
what I wanted was actually like way too small on the scope of what God wants for me. Instead, I've, I've literally started praying prayers. These are things I've, I've told you you should pray. God, teach me to think as you think. God, teach me to see people the way you see people. Teach me to ask for what you want me to ask for. You talk about uh, mindset change, transformation. Like, that'll blow your mind. Paul, the apostle Paul from prison, writes this to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we, all we, all we. Paul's not writing to an individual here. He's writing to the church, and he says, hey, guys, God is able to do immeasurably more than all of us together. Even if we're focusing on the same exact thing and we're praying in this way, in this specific way, God's able to do immeasurably more than anything we can ask him to do. We're asking him for something. God's saying, yeah, sit back and watch, boy. Let me show you. Immeasurably more. Immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work. Listen, God's power, not my power. Not your power. God's power at work in you. God's power at work in the church. I believe with all my heart God's power is at work in this church. I make no mistake about it. God's power is at work here. And it's the power of God that changes people every single week. It's not Ryan. It's not the staff. It's not the worship music. It's the power of God that changes people every week. The power of God at work in this place changes lives according to his power at work within us. You need to know that immeasurably more is coming. Now, this is where you're expecting me to go, I'm sure. You want me to say, well, if God has done this in 12 years, what are the next 12 going to look like? Woohoo! let's go. I want you to put that on pause. I don't want to talk about the church. I want to talk about you. You know what I hope? I hope when you walk into this place that you do see great things. You look around, and, and you see the stuff that we do, and you're like, man, like, this is something nobody on the planet had a clue that God was going to do this, really. And I'm hoping that you'll think, if God can do that with a building, what can he do with somebody he created in his image? And so, as we roll into 24, I'm convinced that if we'll go to church, grow in church, show the church, and know that immeasurably more is coming, you will grow spiritually. Like, that's a spiritual growth plan that works for anybody on the planet, no matter where you are on the scale. No matter where you feel spiritually right now, today. Because listen, here's the deal. None of you are a 10. None of you are a positive 10. Like, like when you, if, you, if you're there, you're standing face-to-face with Jesus right now. We don't see you anymore. Like, you're, you're not here. And, and I want to tell you something. This is how I'm going to close. I, I've stopped being, like, super concerned about this church getting big. I want our hearts to get big. Because this is what I know. If our hearts are enlarged for Jesus, church growth is going to take care of itself. I don't, I don't necessarily want big buildings. I want God to use this place to build big people with big hearts who have big imaginations, who really, really, really do want to do big things for Jesus. And so let's go into 2024 with that. Let's go in with great expectations. Let's pray. Father, I just pray right now for every single person here, God, that we would know your plans are higher than our plans, that we would know your ways are greater than our ways, and God, that we would lay our plans aside and say, God, my life and my plans are in your hands. Take me and use me for whatever you want me to do. Right here with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask, what's the next step you need to take in your walk with Jesus? What is it? Is it, is it saying, hey God, I'm, I'm coming on a regular basis. Starting January 7th, man, I'm showing up all the time. Is it stepping into serving or giving? 
Is it inviting somebody with you? Is it, is it literally getting before God at some point within the next day and just saying, I'm yours? Like, I, I don't want what I want, God. I want what you want. No matter what that step is, why don't you just take 15 seconds right here and in your mind, just submit that step to Jesus. Just put it at his feet. Maybe you're here and you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ into your life. Well, that's the most important thing. That's why we do what we do. We love seeing people meet Jesus. And so maybe today, if you know you need to give your life to Jesus, and right where you sit, I want to invite you to ask Jesus into your life. You can literally start brand new. You can end this year by starting brand new as you step into the next year. If that's you and you know that you need a Savior, just pray this prayer right where you sit. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in your heart, whatever. And just say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and I believe you rose from the grave and I believe you did that for me to pay for my sin. And so today I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord, to be my God, to be my king, to be my savior. All of me for all of you. I promise Jesus to the best of my ability, I will follow you step by step until you call me home. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know in the back corners of the sanctuary as we close out in this song there'll be people back there would love to pray with you for you celebrate with you talk to you about next steps maybe you're here and maybe you need prayer maybe something's going on in your life maybe you're struggling with something maybe maybe you're just like hey man I need to start serving or I, I, I need to commit to this I just need somebody to pray with me as I take my next step let, let us do that use this time for that as we sing as we close out go back there let those people pray with you and for you God, we love you, and we ask that you just move in your ways during this time, in ways only you can, through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are
God. 